Hit Radio is recorded in front of a live IRC channel. Hello and welcome to Tit Radio, episode 17. I'm Monster B, and joining me tonight is Peter64. G'day. Azimuth. G'day. J-Man. Hello. Dan from Tilt. G'day. Claw 2. Rat Poison FTW. Word. 330. G'day. And Art V61. Good evening, everybody. Tonight's topic is Claw 2's Window Manager Challenge. Before we start with the topic tonight... Let's do our feedback and announcements. Now, I found that uh, that email from Deep Geek. Remember we talked about it like a couple shows ago? Yeah. We misplaced it. I, I sent it to Art. Art's going to go ahead and take care of it because it was referring to his topic he talked about. If you have that handy, Art. Yes, I do. I'm going to go ahead with it. Yeah, go for it. All right. Uh, referring to episode 14, I believe it was, when I discussed Axel which was a program to speed up downloads using multiple mirrors and for uh, HTTP and FTP downloads. And DeepGeek sent us feedback, and I'll just kind of read a little bit of it and summarize a little bit. He says, hi, guys. First of all, still loving your show, and thanks for the kind mention of mine in HPR 492, tip 14. I was amazed to hear of using Axel as I reviewed a similar program called Area 2 in an episode of Talk Geek to Me. While it is true that these two programs greatly improve speed, it is useful to see why, especially with big files like program binaries or audio casts. And he goes on to talk about uh, hosting big files and how unlimited bandwidth with big companies is not an issue, but when you get people who some people still have dial-up, and, you know, slow, slower DSL connections, this definitely speeds up the downloads. And uh, he talked about a few other items like Metalinker format from Red Hat and yada, yada, yada. But uh, definitely was a nice feedback. And also, just a little follow-up on that, there is a new apt-get script for that axle that's uh, written by the guy... Let's see, Matt Parnell, I think, was his name. And uh, he has tweaked it a little bit, and I will drop it in the show notes as soon as I get it on the other computer. But otherwise, we want to thank Deep Geek for that response. Back to you, Monster B. Thank you, Art. And then I got an email from Jonathan. I think you interviewed Jonathan uh, Klaatu on the Bad Apples. Season 2, yeah, the closing of Season 2, I think. And that was like a long time. That was like 2008. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Well, John, Jonathan's a friend of Tit Radio, Linux Cranks, the Bad Apples, and he's launching a computer store called Frostbite Systems. And he's going to sell pre-installed Linux computers, and they're optimized for the blind and low-vision users. Uh, you can get any distro you want, but it, the specialty, I guess, is Ubuntu with the Orca screen reader, and it's configured to work right out of the box. 
and I'll put that link in the show notes in the IRC. It's frostbitesystems.com. Oh, that's who's coming on soon. Is he? Oh, cool. Yeah, he's coming on our show. He's a good guy. He he opened that store like maybe a month too late. My uh, my friend of mine who was blind was just just looking for a computer with Linux on it. I set her up with Emacs Speak. I listened to the Bad Apples, and I mentioned to Kajari, because Kajari's been trying to get that going. Mm-hmm. So I, I said to um, have a word with you. So yeah. You'd probably be able to help him. Yeah, cool. I haven't, I haven't heard from him yet, but, yeah, maybe he'll... Nah, well, that was only last night, I think, I was, I was talking to him about it. Yeah. Well, I wish Jonathan luck. You know, he, I mean, the website looks nice. The prices look competitive, so... Hopefully he does pretty good. And I'll put the link to your interview in there, too, in the show notes, Claude, too. Yeah, it could be interesting to hear, because he and I talk a lot about, like, low vision and, and Linux usage and stuff. So it, as, as I recall, it's a pretty good interview. And the next one is from David Abbott uh, from Linux Crazy Podcast. He is starting a study group to learn Python, and David's going to use the book Core Python Programming by Wesley Chun for the study guide. And I'll put the links in the show notes. I can't remember the link to the study group, but it's his main website is LennoxCrazy.com. He had a he had a really good episode uh, this past week. Interviewed a guy from Mandriva about Pulse Audio and stuff. That guy gave the best uh, explanation of Pulse Audio I have ever heard from anyone. It's really good. I highly recommend people listen to it. That'd be. I'll probably listen to that Monday. Yeah, it is. It's fantastic. It starts out a little bit slow, but then David asks, like, explain Pulse Audio to me. And the guy is like, uh, okay. And he just gives a great explanation of it. So, very good. You'll you'll enjoy it, I think. And I found this one the other day. It was uh, it's a Richard, Richard Stallman interview. Uh, it's Kim Hill, a New Zealand radio host, interviews Richard Stallman. And this was back in October 2009. And it's a pretty interesting 40-minute interview. Uh, Richard talks about 9-11, airport security, law enforcement, of course, software freedoms. And I'll put the direct link to the download in the show notes. I was going to throw this on HPR, but there's a copyright on it. And you can, the only thing you can do is link to the website and the transcripts. So I'll just put the direct link in the show notes. It's very interesting. And another piece of feedback is from Seeker X. He has two questions. First, I recall 3.30 talking about Free Linux helpline a little bit ago, though I haven't actually seen anything. Holy crap. Let me start over on that. Somebody fell off their chair. <laughs> First, I'd like to recall 3.30 talking about Free Linux helpline a little bit ago, though I haven't actually seen anything new materialize. Any news on this front? Yeah, uh, CyberCod and I are working on it. We're having a little trouble with re-setting up all of the things we were doing on the backside to get live callers into the show and stuff like that. But we plan to have one out as soon as possible. Um, just stick the freelancehelpline.net into your feed reader or subscribe to the Twitter Identica feed and we'll let everybody know what's going on. All right, and the second question is, I'm curious as to your guys' impressions on Ubuntu's upcoming music store. What do you guys think of that? Any thoughts? Uh, I would I would have to have known that it was going to occur before I could have had any thoughts on it. Didn't we mention it? Um, 
I thought it was speculation. I mean, I remember us talking about it. I just, I don't think I realized. It depends what he's talking about. If he's talking about personally, well, if they sell country and western, I reckon it's a good idea. And if he's talking about whether we think it's a good business move for Canonical, well, I I can't see it being a bad thing. One is actually going to exist. Um, Ack was talking about it on, I think, Floss Weekly. Jono and Leo were talking about it. And, um... It's going to be an MP3 store. Were we talking about it on Linux Basement, too? Or yeah, we were. Okay, yeah, yeah, we were talking about it on Linux Basement. So the, the latest version of Linux Basement, you can get some more discussion on this. But um, it's an MP3-only store, and it's MP3-only because they're what they're buying is a connection into a service. It's the same service that all the other major music vendors use. So they're not actually making the deals with the record labels themselves. Oh, okay. But it's it's going to be a plug-in inside of Rhythmbox, and it's it's all part of the Ubuntu One thing that they're doing. Yeah, I mean, it, it sounds like a good idea to me, I, I guess. The only problem I saw with it was is that they're encouraging people to use patent-encumbered formats. Yeah, well, and, and, and actually this, this creates another question, um, is it... So is this independent? Like, is this what artists are these? Are there, are we selling like so these are, and stuff? Or yeah, these are like serious. Like, uh, I hate to say top tier, but people that are making a whole heap of money. Oh, I'm less it, impressed. It's it's basically iTunes for Ubuntu. I see. But don't forget, we're talking about a company is doing a survey and maybe looking at getting what Adobe Photoshop and that offering that for sale too. So yeah, yeah. Well, I still, I mean, you know, I mean, people buy music online, and, and I mean, I, I, I doubt that Canonical really, I mean, what are they going to do, like, change, you know, like, make this music service or whatever, start offering AUG? I don't think that's going to happen, so. It just sounds like, yeah, they just plugged into some music service somewhere. Yeah. Well, like, I, like I said, uh, boring to sorry. Me, but whatever. Yeah, like, like I said on um, Linux Basement, they kind of have to. I mean, you know, Ubuntu is supposed to be, you know, the the Linux for human beings. Well, right. human beings yeah. are buying music on, you know, inside of their music player. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, people are doing this, and they can't do it in Linux. But on the other hand, I think it's another thing that Ubuntu is doing that isn't necessarily great for free software. Right. And, yeah, kind of encourages people to not care about free software. Yeah, so I'm well, sure you know, this won't be showing up in a GNU sense. <laughs> yeah, probably not. That's not something they're going to inherit. Yeah, I mean, you know, if if you look at the two camps using Linux, there there's the geeks, and then or there's the Linux people, and then there's you know the the Linux people's family members, and those are the people that you just want to give Linux to and not ever have to hear them complain about, oh, it doesn't have this, it doesn't have that, and obviously Ubuntu is going to be the system that you do that with, you know, you know, hand that to your mom or whatever and just say okay there you go there's your new os now stop bugging me so the thing that's really going to suck is the first time that you hand someone an ubuntu cd they go home install it for themselves they get onto the music store it you know they they buy a bunch of music they go to play it and it pops up and says that it can't and would you like to search for software to do it oh that's funny i thought i thought ubuntu shipped with it oh no i guess they don't huh no they don't and and chad didn't realize that either like he he thought that it just came with all you know with the MP3 codec and it doesn't. That's the big deal of Linux Mint. That, that yeah. has all the codecs. Okay. Say and so 
you know, we've been telling people, uh, I don't know, I, I'm assuming we, I have, been telling people on Windows for years not to download Codex because it's usually not a codec. It's a virus. I'm sure Ubuntu is going to make it fairly friendly when it when it says I can't play your MP3. I mean, I would imagine that hopefully, like even if, when, just when you buy the MP3 at all, it should hopefully offer to install the the codec or something like that. I would, you know, something. It it doesn't it doesn't say it has to search for software. It tells you that you need a codec, and it says do you want to download this or buy the Fluendo codec. Depends ah, on yeah. your region. Yeah, I'm spreading fud. I bet as soon as you click on the music store, it's probably going to offer you that codec, you know, the very first time. Yeah, that that might actually be a smart move, where it pops up and says, you know, you're going to need extra software to be able to use this. I mean, that wouldn't be too bad. Anybody else have any more uh, feedback or announcements? Don't nope. you have an announcement, too? No, actually I don't. Why not? Be- well, because this is going to air... Certainly not tomorrow, and then the next day I'm doing my, the multimedia sprint. So. What, you know what, could you just tell our, our live listeners what's going on? Sure. Hi, live listeners. It's Clat 2. Um, tomorrow, no, Tuesday, January 26th, from 1400 Eastern Standard Time, so it's New York City time, until 0600 the next morning, so that's like 16 hours. Uh, me and everyone else I can attract to help me are going to sit around and... Um, do a multimedia sprint, which was kind of like my idea of sort of a hackathon, except without the hacking part. Uh, basically, it's just going out onto the internet together, sort of in a coordinated effort, and getting a whole bunch of free and open source content, like font, um, you know, stock photos, um, uh, sound fonts, synth samples, um, sound effects, you know, just whatever you could possibly need to do like multimedia creative work on Linux download this stuff, like these raw materials, and then put them all into a big torrent file or a number of torrent files for people to be able to download so that when people go to do multimedia on Linux and they say, well, gee, where's all my fancy templates and things like that that I got with my Mac, you know, and why don't I have it here on Linux? We can say, well, actually, there is a place that you can get all this stuff. Just, you know, torrent these files, and then they'll have all these great raw materials and they can start being creative without having to go troll the Internet for five days before they can even start doing their little digital scrapbook project or whatever. So join me. It's on the irc.binrev.net server in the channel uh, Hash Media. Cool. Is this the first time you've tried to do this? It's the first time I've asked other people to do it with me. I I actually, about a month ago or so, I I spent five days... (laughs) going online and getting like all these sound fonts and I downloaded like 350 of them and each of those had about probably three or four sound banks within them so I got it's about 1500 you know soft synths basically for Linux that are that's compatible with like QSynth or FluidSynth um, and I, I stuffed those into a torrent file that ended up being like 670 megabytes so I got basically a CD's worth of you know little sound font files going to be great for you know musicians and stuff like that so i just want to do the same thing for fonts and textures and, and just you know everything hey Kato, i have a question sure the uh when when we meet up on the channel because i'd like to get involved in it too when you meet up on a channel are you going to have places for people to go or yes. do you okay okay and then we're going to download to a specific area or uh, download I will have to your yeah actually good 
good question. There's actually this, the information that you are asking about is online at slackermedia.info slash, I think, uh, sprint. Yeah, sprint.html. Okay, because I was um, a little confused on that. That's uh... Yeah, go to the link. Um, go to the how to help, I think. Yeah, how to help on that page. And, and so it kind of gives you a rundown of what to expect. So... But the idea will be, yeah, you, you, you download to your local machine, and then you can zip the file and throw it. I'll, I'll have some, some FTP server that we can put our stuff onto. I'll, I'll download it to my machine and then um, compile it and, or rather, you know, put it together and then make a torrent file out of it and start seeding it. Or if you're, you know, if, if the person downloading that stuff has a complete collection that would make sense as its own torrent file, they can they can certainly do that themselves as well, but I'm definitely willing to be the, the initial seeder and everything. Okay, yeah, because I got like uh, probably 200 gig of hard space I can, you know, just download to my heart's content. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's and, you know, and I always, I always got a couple computers running, so even if I'm not, I mean, if you give me a spot to download a pile of stuff, I'll just let it rip, you know? Yeah. All right, you guys ready to get on to the main topic? We are. Now, what what did you want us to do, Klaatu? Just like a little recap. Okay, last time on Tit Radio, um, I suggested that we um, switch window managers from our usual comfortable environment to something uh, not so comfortable. And preferably, I was thinking something a lot less, uh, you know, something kind of obscure, just to make it a little bit different. Because I, I was listening to Tux Radar and then, Lug Radio, I know, used to do this as well, I think, for them. Um, you know, the whole gang would switch from their usual gnome to the exciting world of KDE. And then they would spend, like, a whole episode complaining how KDE isn't any good and how they couldn't stand it, you know. Uh, and then one guy would obligatorily say, oh, well, I'm kind of a KDE guy. I, I kind of like it, except I hate KDE4 or something like that. So, I don't know. I mean, that kind of gets silly after a while because, I mean, big deal, get home to KDE, let's do something really crazy and go, you know, from KDE to rat poison or something like that. So that was the idea, and I just thought maybe we could, um, especially if we're doing obscure ones, we could kind of give listeners an idea of what it is like to live in that environment, you know, how how, how well does it fit your workflow, just stuff like that. If you liked it, if you don't like it, if you're going to stay with it, if you're not going to stay with it. Yeah, you should you should have seen all the belly aching that was going on in the IRC channel, like a day after you announced that. <laughs> really? It, it was ridiculous. People uh, complaining and uh Yeah, right after they announced, announced it. Wow. You should have heard what we were calling you, Clark too. Lucky you and be you would have cried. Well, you know, I mean, we are geeks, right? I mean we should be able to handle a little bit of a a change of window uh managing environment. Well that's I, what you always thought. You'd always cheat and just I mean as long as you bring up the new window manager, I mean as long as you've got a command line, if you can get that open you're pretty much good to go in theory. Now, this guy didn't bellyache too much, but let's start off with Peter64. Ah, oh, shit, I'm nervous now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm not really into the fully bland desktop environments. Like, I haven't been for a while. I don't know how obscure the one I chose was, but I, I sort of like my, um, my my desk or window manager to be, well, like my women, I suppose, like fast and, and small, slim, <laughs> modest, dynamic. So I went for the I went for the awesome window manager, which is uh, for those who don't know, it's just a tiling window manager. Now it's a dynamically tiling window manager. I think we're going to hear about a couple of um, 
manual tiling window managers later. But uh, and fair income, I, I, I must admit, the first hour I went over to it, I, I was a little bit frustrated purely because you don't get well. The only thing in the menu was to shut the thing down or open a terminal. So first of all, I had to um, start everything from the from the terminal, which where's isn't a great. Sorry, where's the menu? Is that something well, you just like you, right click on or something? Yeah, you yeah, just right click and, and okay. you get. Uh, think about three options so and oh, that was the other problem i had my bloody for some reason x term would open it was using a white background with bloody white text right and trust me that's not fun when you've got about 14 x terms open and you don't know what's in half of them then you close them down and you realize you kill conversation while you're talking to as so that's something i did anyway but um awesome's written in c and uses the lua i think programming language for uh, like to make it more extensible they only just changed over to that in version 3 prior to that version 2 I don't know what they used now it's all done through one file a total configuration that's to set up you know your menus your your hotkeys etc um, now if you had no idea with uh, with Lua you would be very comfortable I, I certainly am not so I had to do a hell of a lot of reading and get a lot of people's uh, configuration files go through it and try to work out firstly to set up a menu and I've never worried about that in Fluxbox before but I thought I'll set the menu up this time and have a look at that um, and I left it about a week before I configured my hotkeys now in and and that was one of the frustrating things I kept hitting keyboard shortcuts that didn't work okay because I've been using Fluxbox for 12 months now had I went to the trouble and set up the hotkeys first then my frustration would have ended very quickly once i set it up and got the um, hotkeys set up exactly the same way as in Fluxbox, it it really became a piece of cake to operate i really enjoy the way it it has pre-configured uh, layouts that are quite easily to tab through you can really use awesome and i think this is one of the reasons it was developed is you can use it without even touching a mouse it is very, very fast once you get the hang of it. Uh, and honestly, I, I have said goodbye to Fluxbox now. I'm that impressed with Awesome, I will just stick with Awesome. I, I've now got it on all three systems. So, very impressive. Yep. So, so but, but the config file is, is literally, it's not a plain text file. It's, it's in Lua? Yeah, it's written in this Lua, which is, it's still, I mean, it's, it's still obviously human readable text uh, sure. but it's got a hell of a lot of commas and colons and and brackets and uh, and yeah it, it you need to spend time and the other thing was a bit frustrating like i said i would get get people's configuration files and read through it and try to figure out how to set up menus and shortcut keys etc one of the problems i had a lot was auto starting uh applications i i like to have conversation opens a couple of terminals open etc on certain screens it uses uh, I use nine workspaces now which just happens to be the default but it's surprising how quickly you start to use them and um, I, I got certain configuration files and went through and found out where where this was happening and copied it only to find out that one was bloody wrong and there was a lot of frustration I, I spent a hell of a lot of time doing that 
And um, I, unfortunately, as much as I hate to say it, I had to ask the J-man where I was going wrong. But, Did you uh, write a manual? Uh, no, I bloody should, but... Um, the other thing, too, like I said, it's fully customizable, fully extensible. Uh, all the widgets and everything are just amazing. I haven't got into that yet. It's, it's something I will have a play with. It's not something I'll, I'll ever use. But I'd still like to learn a little bit more about it, getting these widgets going. So, yeah, very impressive. Um, and Jalen should just point it out that... Yep. Does, uh, does Awesome... Does it relegate different applications to different screens automatically? Is it one of those? No. Screen, or will it allow multiple applications per screen? No, no. You can, uh, uh, that's the way I've set it up now. But originally, if you're on screen... I'll, I'll tell you a couple of things, too. Um, no, if you're on screen one, it would open them up, but it would automatically tile them for you. But there's some things like, say, the GIMP, where you need floating windows... You can go in and into your uh, Lua, RC.lua file and tell it that this particular application, like, say, mPlayer or the GIMP, should be automatically setting a floating mode. So then you can hold down your mod key and drag and set it out the way you want it. But a couple of things talking about screen. Say I open Conversation on screen 2, then I decide I want to flip that over to 5, when I go to close it on screen 5, the notification box that pops up to say, do you really want a quick conversation, will pop up on the original screen. Now, at first, I thought, I'm closing this wrong. You know, like, I didn't know that that box had popped up, and then you think conversation had frozen, but it was waiting for me to, to click on the notification box, you know what I mean? So that was one, one annoyance until I got used to that. Yeah. And the only other annoyance that I came across was, once again, I noticed in conversation mostly because the tabs are at the very bottom. On occasion, it would put, uh, if you had three applications open, say, in a right-hand pane, three down, it would push the very bottom one off the screen a little bit and I'd lose the um, tabs in conversation. On most windows, that doesn't really matter because there's nothing written at the very bottom of them. But I'd recommend anyone who doesn't mind just spending a little bit of time to have a look at Awesome, because it is bloody awesome. And you're not using a panel with it, right? Or you said you were. Panel? As in the top taskbar, Dan? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Are you using just that or anything else? Nah, that's all. I, I, all I've got is that top taskbar, whatever they call it. That uh, Mine only has the clock in it. That's where you can install these widgets, too. Uh, that, Like I said, I... I I had a quick look at them. I tried to get them going, but it's something I need to spend more time with. The screenshots, I think, for most of our desktops on Unix porn now, if if you want to get over and have a look what we're playing with. When you don't have anything, like any Windows, if you close all your applications, what's on the desktop? Is it just a blank desktop? Yeah, black. Yeah, just a blank screen. Um, can, can you put like an image on there or no? Yeah, you can. Yeah, it, uh, originally it comes set out with uh, an awesome wallpaper. But, uh, but yeah. So it's you replaced your flux box? Definitely, yep. I, I, I think it took me probably a week. Once I'd used this for a week, I think by then I was saying that I would never go back to Fluxbox. I, I, honestly, what it is to me now, because I've configured it in such a way that it mimics my original Fluxbox, it's just a nice, tidy Fluxbox. It just automatically places... 
instead of me dragging the windows around and getting them adjusted, like in uh, in Flatbox, like I'd have to, this does it automatically for me. Like, admittedly, too, that I... If, if you're a smarter bloke than me and worked on computers all day, you, you could do a hell of a lot more uh, with Awesome than I ever intend to. I mean, if you go through and read what you can do with that lure... I'm excited. I think I'm going to try it out. Uh, honestly, Dan, you won't be disappointed. I better not be or I'm coming after. I, I tell you what, if if you are, I'll personally get an airplane and I'll fly to your house and I'll put your old one back the way it was. All right. I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> <laughs> So we got two thumbs up? Oh, definitely. All right. Let's see if we can keep this uh this record going. Let's let's go let's move on to Azimuth. Oh, you want a thumbs up record? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gone to the wrong place. So, so what did you well, try? you better you better go to somebody else uh, next then. No, I uh I I chose uh Windowmaker and uh awesome choice. <laughs> yeah, right. No, I never subord in my life. It works. That's that much I'll say for it. You can make a usable system out of it, but it's boring. The icons are boring. Everything's square. It's <laughs> I I did not like it. I played with it and read docs on it for three, four days and that was all I could take. I you know, I was I was ready for the booby hatch. <laughs> and uh so I promptly went back to XFCE and uh, calmed my nerves down and uh, stayed with it for uh, for a few days. And uh, then I decided, well, I might as well try something I haven't tried before. So uh, I uh, I put uh, KDE on uh, on top of Arch, and I was pleasantly surprised uh, that uh, it worked on the old equipment that I put it on. It turned out to be a lot lighter than uh, than I was expecting. And, uh, you know, I'm going to play with it for a while, but uh, I I won't waste any more time on Windows Maker. Well, okay, so did you try to, I mean, so one of your complaints is that it was square or whatever. Did you look on boxlook.org or anything for, like, themes and stuff to see if you could spruce it up a bit? I don't. I, I don't much worry about how a, a desktop looks. Uh, functionality is more important to me, and it just didn't have the functionality. It just wasn't. It, it was not a comfortable place to be. Uh, I used too many uh, window managers that that were so much better that uh, I couldn't spend that much time with. I just couldn't force myself to do it. Fatu, to answer your question, um, I, I would say I don't ever recall seeing any theme or anything that provided uh, non-boxed applets uh Doc apps or anything like that—they've always been boxed. I mean, you could probably cobble together a theme with customized colors to make those boxes not look like boxes, but they would still essentially be a square on there with just a graphical texture on them that might attempt to look at something different. I see. I remember—I seem to remember seeing like some pretty cool-looking uh, window maker themes, but but I could be wrong. It's not that hard to make a Windowmaker thing. I, I did a G.I. Joe one, and I did a Godzilla one, and they were up on Team.org. But this is going back like nine or ten years ago. Hey, it's probably been that long, yeah. And uh, development well, that's, of that, That's stuff. what Windowmaker looked like, about nine or ten years old. Well, yeah, the it, development yeah. has I, I, like I don't think stopped. I don't think they've been pushing anything to no, make I it any better lately. They talked about 
picking it back up about a year and a half, two years ago, but I, I have not seen anything in like five years. And has anyone tried um, the after step then? Because isn't that somewhat related to Windowmaker or something, or or no? Uh, after step and GNU step. Windowmaker is built off of GNU step. I've tried it. It's very similar to Windowmaker, but it's even uh, I think even a little older looking. But what do you need out of a window manager, really? I mean, come on, what are you looking for? You just need something to launch your apps, right? Well, that's the Satan cloud tool, I reckon. A, a Windows managers, it should be transparent. You shouldn't even notice it after, you know, you get used to it. You shouldn't even think about it, I don't reckon. Some people, I suppose, like the eye candy and that. Uh, What's with I the attitude, cloud tool? So what if Azimuth didn't like it? I'm just curious as to, like, why he didn't like it exactly. Because I know it's boring. boring, but what do you mean boring? It's square. Not enough eye candy? You, Too square? No matter what you do with it, it doesn't really change. It's still the same boring window manager. Ah, so it's not it's not terribly configurable. Uh, not as much as a lot of them I've been in. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I mean, you know, I, I like Fluxbox better. I like uh, Ice Window Manager better. I like... Uh, well, I, I like all the window managers better, but, you know, uh, there have been Openbox I've tried and uh, JWM, and, uh, the, you know, they they all had a better feel to them than, than this thing did. Yeah, well, that's a good point that it's not configurable, because now that you mention it, I don't recall ever seeing screenshots of Window Maker where it's been drastically different than any, you know, except in, like, sort of, like, color scheme or, you know, yeah, you can change the color schemes, and you can yeah. you can move the where where the icons go, and uh, you move the the no, it doesn't have a bar in it, but uh, you can move everything around on it. But it's still the same. It's still the same thing when you get through. It just placed a little different. Yeah, yeah, and it seems like I mean I've seen screenshots of like Fluxbox and and Openbox, well even KDE, where where you're just you look at it and you're just like that doesn't look at all like. The other screenshots I've seen of that, yeah. you know, it's like so configurable. Well, I, you know what, let me, I'm, I'm wondering what you're talking about there because I found Window Maker to be very configurable because I configured Window Maker to look exactly like my Fluxbox, just like I configured KDE to look exactly like my Fluxbox. Right. Which oh, is like, why am I not just using Fluxbox? But I mean, you, you, you were able to get rid of like the dock and stuff like that, like that little. Oh yeah. Uh, well, yeah, the dock. Yeah, definitely. And what about the the uh, the widgets or whatever, you know, like the actual... Yeah. You can yeah. turn those on and off. You don't have to have them on there oh, at yeah. all. Yeah, you, you, could, you can do all that, but you still you still got Windowmaker when you get through. Can you have, like, an XFCE dock, for instance, or panel running on top of Windowmaker, for instance? No, I didn't. I was using uh, XFCE uh, uh, terminal with it, which I like because uh, of the, the transparency. You can go with that terminal and... Uh, uh, you know, you just hang your text out there in thin air, which was which was kind of fun. But that that was the extent of it. You you could if you wanted to, but Windowmaker uses dock apps and certain applications. Like, uh, God, it's been a long time since I've actually tried to do this, but you can take some applications and, and mash them into a dock app structure uh, and iconify it. So if you needed something like uh, maybe Wicked might be able to do this, or like an applet, you would click on it to iconify it and it would create a pseudo a dock app out of it. So you you Windowmaker uses dock apps as opposed to panels. Okay. Yeah. Well I I I did that with uh 
you know, some of the things I was using, but uh, and as far as dock apps, uh, but uh, WM uh, Weather on it, uh, you know, which is uh, a nice little uh, app that I've used on uh, Fluxbox before, but uh, I don't know. It's, I, I can't explain it. It just never had the right feel for me. I would say Windowmaker does have its own unique style, and if you and you're right there, asthma to to a certain degree that no matter what you do to it, it's still Windowmaker. That's that's where I was coming from. <laughs> yes, Which, but that sounds that that sounds kind of vaguely familiar. I mean, I've used it before, and I think now that you mention it, that does sound about right for it. It doesn't it doesn't feel as flexible as as, as other ones I've used. But it is usable. You can you can set up and and run a, run it as a window manager and uh, and you can probably do about everything you want to do with it, but sure. uh, it never never has that right feel. It never just clicks. But that's just my opinion. So uh, two thumbs down. Uh yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> that that uh, that's maybe a little more unkind than what I really want to go for it. Like I say, it. it it is usable. If you've got the right temperament for it, uh, maybe it's just what you're looking for. But if that's the case, you probably don't have a life anyway, so go ahead and use it. <laughs> 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 All right. Thanks for being honest, Azmuth. Let's, uh, what, what did you uh, try out, Claude, too? Rat poison, and uh, it was fantastic. It's a really, really cool uh, little... Window manager, and it, it sounds a lot like awesome. Actually, um, the idea is that you start rat poison, and you're dumped into basically a blank screen with maybe a little text message up on the upper right-hand corner that says like "Welcome to Rat Poison" or something like that. And first thing you have to do is hit Control T, which is the uh, kind of the command key binding for Rat Poison. So you hit Control T and then the C key to create a new um, a new terminal, basically, or a new, you know, a new window. So then you're dumped onto a command line, and you can do whatever you want, like um, start a start an application if you want to. So I think probably, you know, you might want to start, let's say, Firefox. So you could type in Firefox, and it will launch Firefox full screen, uh, just right there in front of you, and you can start using it. So there's no window border or anything. It's basically just full screen. Everything starts full screen. So like even if if I start Dolphin for a graphical file managing experience, it's going to be full screen. So um, if you want to switch to the next, to a new terminal to start a different application or whatever, you can hit Control T and C to create a new space and, uh, you know, start another application. Um, So it's a lot, I mean... It feels a lot like GNU Screen, actually. It feels exactly like GNU Screen to me, except that it's got the added benefit of having uh, X, you know. So, I mean, I guess you could run GNU Screen in X as well and kind of have a similar thing. But but it's, it's you know, you hit that escape sequence, Control-T, and then whatever, uh, and then you, you launch your applications. And then you could switch back and forth between the applications with Control-T, in to go to the next, or P to go to the previous. Uh, and that's the basics of it. And, of course, there's a lot more you can do with it in terms of, I guess, I guess what you would call tiling. Um, they call it splitting splitting up frames. And you can go in and, and hit Control-T-S uh, to split the frame. 
or capital S to split the frame uh, vertically, or maybe I have that backwards, I forget, but uh, and that splits the frame, and then you can control T tab over into whatever different frame on that screen that you've got and, and launch different applications within that, that, that frame. And you can resize them with control T R, uh, and you can actually even, I mean, you can like resize it, you know, you can hit control T R and then the arrow keys and it'll uh, resize the, the frame so that you can really get it down to just exactly the sizes that you want. So it's, um, it's, it's fairly flexible. Quite too, like in awesome, there's pre-configured layouts with rat poison. If you get a layout, can you save that and return to a layout? With yeah, you, you can. You can. Uh, I, I don't remember the command offhand because it's not something that you do. You know, you you do it like once or twice, and then you don't do it anymore. But yeah, there's a there's a couple of different commands that that rat poison allows you to issue, and one of them is to save a uh, a I guess a frame layout that you can then reload. And you can also set things to not be managed, you know, like if you need, if there are exceptions, and there are exceptions, GIMP being the really big notable one for me, um, where you can you can kind of take that out of rat poison's control. Um, and it, it does something interesting with dialog boxes, too. Like if, if I'm, if, if let's say I'm in Firefox and I, I tell Firefox to quit or something, it, you know how it pops up and says, do you want to save this session to, you know, to, to, so the next time you open it, it brings up all your websites. Um, so little pop-up things like that, they actually don't come up like full screen. They just they just pop up in the middle of your current screen without any window decoration or anything. But but it is like a floating. It, it feels it looks and feels like a floating dialog box. It's not like full screen or anything like that. So there are, there are a couple of exceptions to the way it handles things. And I, I guess I've installed it on three different systems now, so it's on my Slackware laptop, and, and that, when I launch it, it's pretty plain. It's just like black screen, and you hit Control-T-C, and you get a white terminal uh, with black text. I installed it on Fedora, and that one's really nice when you, it, it, it logs itself into the KDM session, uh, you know, your login KDM thing, so when you log in, you can you can say, okay, now log into Rat Poison rather than KDE, and, um, and it comes up with your with the default Fedora background image in the background, so you know it feels very integrated. I, I like that one a lot. That was a really good instance of it. And then I installed it uh, on Ubuntu at work, and I think they didn't even. I I want to say they didn't have it in their repository. I could be wrong, but um, that wasn't terribly well integrated. It didn't it didn't log itself into GDM, and uh, it didn't have anything. I might have just had to, I think I might have done that one from source, and that's probably why. That would make sense that it didn't log into GDM. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's nice all around. I, I, I was, I'm really digging it. And like Peter64, it, it kind of, it almost mimics the way I use Flux, uh, Fluxbox, to be honest, um, except without the, I guess, without the, the bother of having to drag all my windows around and kind of, you know, tile my workspace, like, I guess, one normally might do. If you if you like using GNU screen in the terminal, you will. I think you would. One would like Rat Poison. I, I, that's that's my feeling. So it's all key bindings. You don't use a mouse. No, not at okay. all. You do not need a mouse. It's incredible. I mean, it's unbelievable. But again, I mean, that's kind of how I I used Fluxbox anyway. I you know, I mean, you've got everything that you actually use in, in a key binding, and 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 ideally, 
yeah, you don't really have to use the mouse all that much. But but it feels a little bit more pure with with rat poison because it's designed that way. That's you know it's got all these commands kind of built in and stuff like that. Does it use like workspaces as well or? No, not. I mean, sort of. I mean, the Control T C kind of creates. I guess what I would. I think a it desktop. sounds like. Yeah, that's what it sounds like a workspace is, and you can group certain applications together so that they kind of become a workspace, I think. I never really bothered doing that. I just, I would set my, I would split the frames and then I would control T in to another workspace and, and have a different set of frames in there. And that's kind of how I used it. Um, and a lot of the applications, to be honest, I just used full screen because I was really using this primarily at work and, and I'm just living in like Emacs and a terminal and Firefox. So I just kept going back and forth between those three applications. So I didn't even, I didn't really have to split frame all that much. I I did it at home for stuff that I do here, but but um, you know I, I think a lot of my reels really just using full screen, which I mean, you know, which I mean if you think about it, like Moblin and and some of these weird sort of net netbook remixes and stuff. I mean that's kind of what they are pushing on netbooks anyway. So having Rat Poison on my triple EPC in Fedora kind of like felt really normal, you know, because everything comes up full screen by default anyway. It's like the perfect netbook uh, window manager, I think, in a way. Uh, is it going to be a keeper? Oh, yeah. I, I don't... I'm, I I would be... I can't quite imagine having a computer without a poison installed on it at this point. I mean, it's such a... It's so tiny. I mean, if you go to um, nongnu.org slash ratpoison, that's the website. It's It's got to be... It's less than a megabyte, you know, download. Um it's so fast because it doesn't have anything. I mean, there's just, it's, you know, what is it? It's like it's an X session with, without any window decoration, without any panels or applets or docklets or widgets. You know, it's just, it's X and you just launch your apps. It's really nice. Yeah, I, I actually mentioned that I probably will stick with Awesome and I will. The only thing that could maybe change my mind is they did a big change from 2 to 3 where they went to this Lua Challenge previously, do you know what they used? Uh, it it was a very simple configuration file. It, there was no programming language. It was just some brackets that determined where it stopped. And that yeah, was and and from what I read, uh, a lot of people got upset because they had it all set out the way they wanted, and all of a sudden they couldn't copy their configuration over and everything like that. I think if they went through a big change like that again, it would probably make me think. And I'm not sure how often they do it, or maybe I'd start looking at something else because I haven't got that sort of time to go through that every six months. You know what I mean? Yeah, there are little problems where they move to a a new major version and then they'll put up a list of changes that you need to put in your config file. Well, that that could be the only showstopper for me, I think. But it, it seems to me that this Lua that they've chosen is extremely powerful language. But I, once again, I I don't know anything about that sort of stuff. It's just broadly what I'd sort of read, um, and that isn't probably Lua will. Uh, isn't Lua what? Isn't that like the, a scripting language for some kind of popular <coughs> video game too? Well, that's yeah. That, what Jay Lindsay mentioned that before. Um, oh okay. Yeah, it, it must. Yeah, have I know. A, I've seen that on the cover of a book somewhere. I just I can't remember. Yeah, it, the well. language is so light that it's used pretty much all over game development. Oh okay, interesting. 
I mean, rat poison doesn't always fit my workflow, but but when it does, it fits it really, really well. It's just so, I mean, I, I imagine I will be splitting my time between uh, rat poison and, and, and KDE fairly frequently. No, what what can't you do on it that you would have to go back to KDE for? Uh, I can't, I don't know, I can't look at um, the prettiness of KDE among rat poison. I agree. Um, no, but I mean, just some of the, I don't know, like, especially with GIMP, and when I'm just, if I'm doing, like, if I'm editing in Blender, I don't know, my work, the, the way that I, you know, the things that I have open, like the different windows that I have open in the background of, of Blender, I mean, not, not Blender windows, but like, you know, I'll have a Dolphin window open and maybe a media player open. I don't know, it's just, I, I'm kind of like locked into that way of working with traditionally, a traditional window manager, so I don't see myself switching over to that, uh, switching to Rat Poison for that kind of work anytime soon. All right, so that's a two thumbs up. Yeah, for sure. All right. And what did you try, uh, G-Man? Something similar, right, to Rat Poison? Yeah, <laughs> I have to apologize. It's going to be uh, a little similar to Klaatu's uh, review because uh, I have some previous experience with uh, tiling window managers. Uh, I've used Awesome and Xmonad for... Uh, a while, but I've been wanting to try out uh, something called Stump WM, and after a couple of days of using it, I looked into the background of it, and uh, it's actually Rat Poison rewritten in Common Lisp. Uh, it's done by the same author, and basically in the background page, they say that Stump WM is what they really wanted to create. Darn it, I tried their old their old version then, the one that they didn't even like. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, well, you can see that they they really liked designing it from the start, but the way the development turned, they started adding a subset of Lisp into the window manager. So then eventually they got sick of it and said, well, let's just rewrite the whole thing. So the uh, the key configuration is pretty much the same. You know, as was previously mentioned, this all works uh, kind of in sync together. You know, you have uh, the Emacs modifier is control X, the screen modifier is control A, and stumps is control T. So you get kind of this harmony going on, uh, especially if you use Emacs and screen already, which I do. Being written in Lisp, this uh, has gotten quite a lot more configuration possibilities because of uh, Lisp behind it. Uh, the configuration file is all in Lisp, so it helps if you're going through the whole uh, configuring Emacs thing and you already have some Lisp uh, going into your head, you know. Maybe you don't want to learn it uh, just for nothing. But uh, you, you have the same group concept, you, you know, uh, Control-T, and then your F keys uh, move around to different groups. You can move all the windows around with the keyboard. Uh, it handles uh, dual screens very well. I've uh, plugged in a monitor to my laptop, and I also have dual screen on the desktop, and everything works very smoothly. It, it pretty much just works. Do you have you had any uh, experience with like the like GIMP or something like that, where it's multiple windows for one uh, application? Yeah, it, it's the uh, the same concept used in Rat Poison. You you would want to probably do a layout and save that layout okay. so that it, it can reload it. Yeah. But the uh, the wiki has all the configuration explained. So the the Lisp is not that hard to tackle when you're uh, 
doing your .stump WMRC file. Uh, panels are okay. Uh, kicker, known panel, all that. Uh, the window's resized to fit the panel on the screen, and cool. the pager works with flipping desktops and all that. Oh, neat. There's a ton of example code on the, the wiki. It really is impressive, but it, it's, it's a really uh, awesome window manager to, to geek out on, because you can do things like uh, connect Emacs through the through the slime layer to the window manager itself, so you can have Emacs manipulate the properties of the window manager. Uh, that's cool. So, how much uh, Lisp do you have to know to like configure this thing? Uh, well, it depends on how much you're going to configure. Uh, you can get by with not knowing anything, just copy and pasting uh, other people's code, but. Yeah. Work you, for me. you would probably want to, you know, be learning Emacs and how to configure Emacs and getting into that whole Lisp thing, because that's where the the power really is when you when you know exactly what it's doing. What's it, the it has a, for this one? Uh, it's desktop.net. Ah, cool. Okay. It has a uh, a mode line that is hidden by default. They have. Uh, little variables that you can put in that list the uh, the window list and the desktop list and you can uh, toggle that on or off if you want to use that instead of the panel but like I said uh, through Emacs you can have it manipulate different things and put it in the, the mode line so, so are you going to continue to use it after this? yeah I definitely uh, I'm going to stick with this and uh, probably learn quite a bit of Lisp as I go on I'm going to say you're going to give it two thumbs up then. Oh, yeah. All right. I don't know. I might try that one now, knowing that that's the, the new and improved version of Rap Poison. All right. Let's move on to 3.30. All righty. Well, I used SVWM after trying to get Rock's desktop installed, which ended horribly. Still not sure how Jay Lindsay got it installed, but Klaatu and I both... 3.30. It first took night. about five minutes. To do. I heard you say that in the last hit, and I thought, I'm going to try this. And five minutes later, I had it installed and up. Can't be that hard. It w- if it I can do not... it, anyone can do it. Klaatu and I couldn't get it to work. Yeah, it's either well, that when we tried it, you know, whatever service needed to run to download the components wasn't working, because I remember there being some weird little installer program, um, or you guys both did it on Arch, and me and 330 were trying to do it from... You know, I think from whatever installer they have on Fedora, and it just didn't was was not working. Yeah, uh, I, I did on Arch. That's true. So I failed miserably at that, and then decided I'd try JWM and got it compiled and running, but couldn't get any of the menu working. And knowing the two weeks that were to come, I uh, decided that having to get just the menu to be able to open a terminal running probably was not going to be good. <laughs> so I, I wussed out, kind of, and installed SVWM, which uh, is actually kind of nice. Um, I, didn't do, I didn't stray too far from the uh, regular default configuration, even though it's really ugly and pink. It looks like someone threw up Pepto-Bismol. But... Um, if you go to unixporn.com, all of my horribly pink desktops are up there. And uh, I think really the only thing I changed was uh, I needed a place to dock 
a bunch of the applets that I use for you know like when for a network manager and stuff like that. So I did um, run GNOME Panel with just the notification area, and uh, I turned off the desktop paging because I don't use more than one desktop in any window manager. So that was really starting to kind of piss me off because it like if you drug something just a little too far to a corner because you had desktops that were above no you had ones that were below to the to the caddy corner and to the right and so i would drag a window a little too far and have no idea where it went until i went digging through all the the desktops and uh i turned off the sloppy window focus because that just confused me to no end. But other than that, it, w- it was really cool. It does this thing when you uh, minimize an app. It just, like, drops it down to the bottom and makes this huge, kind of cool-looking, you know, whatever the icon is, but it's huge. For some reason, I just thought that was really, really cool. Shit, I'm going to install it now. I think there's a big icon down the yeah. bottom. Yeah, isn't that what Puppy runs on? Uh, I have no idea. I've never used Puppy. How do you get the uh, GNOME panel to run on that 330? Do you, I mean, it, is that something you can configure? It was actually really, really easy. When you you open the the uh, panel, or not the panel, but the uh, the menu for selecting your apps by just primary clicking, just your left click, and it was in my. Uh, I'm trying to get to my my screenshot where I actually had that showing, but there it was just in one of the menus. Oh, okay. It's just the panel. And I was like, I didn't know it was GNOME panel at first. You know, I was like, oh, look, a panel. And I opened it, and actually the regular, like, you know, default setup GNOME panel opened. And I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll just remove all the GNOME stuff from it and stick it off to the side. It was in the uh, accessories menu. Oh, I see. So that thing on the right-hand side... I see it. I you know I yeah. didn't even notice. I didn't even realize that's what that was. Yeah, I just tucked it off to the side. Oh, okay, interesting. Yeah, I I know that's kind of cheating, but <laughs> I needed a place to dock things and didn't have enough battery life on the laptop I was using to be doing research on the road. Yeah, yeah. No, it looks it looks pretty cool, and it's cool that I don't know. It always interests me as to which which window managers kind of um, encourage. Uh, like, you know, piecemealing your environment together, as it were. You know, like, yeah. you know, like Fluxbox for me is the same way. It's like running Fluxbox, but you've got the, you know, um, I don't know, KDE like, uh, cl- you know, Clipper and KMix and things like that up in the corner or whatever. Yeah, it's saying if you go to the the screenshots on SVWM.org, like there are people doing really really cool stuff with it. Oh yeah, but I. Think these people, well, I know these people spent a whole lot more time on it than I did. Right, right. Um, I got yeah, it just are... running enough to be, you know, to be useful, and then didn't mess with it because hey, it was useful. Yeah. You know, and break things that aren't broken. And so, is it all pretty much based around like a menu structure, kind of like uh, I don't know, the flux box kind of, you know, you right click and you get that big window. Yeah, that it, big menu? it really kind of was. Like I never did find a way to. To like, I I didn't actually look at the config file. I'll, I'll admit now, because it it all kind of worked. So I was like, oh, all right, I won't. That's just the config file. Like I I got really really lazy when it all 
kind of works the way I would have had it work out of the box. Right. But um, I I really it, at one point just added the uh the launcher applet for GNOME, you know, the the run applet, and just put it up there for things I didn't want to dig for and knew what I was opening. Oh, okay. So you actually had like a uh, you're talking about that thing where you just kind of type in the name of the application and it like launches. Yeah, and it just yeah, it just fires up. Do you have a screenshot of that one? Uh, it's in some of the screenshots. Okay, I'll I'll, I'll keep looking. I mean, it's just a little. I I don't have the actual. It's the default GNOME run dialog, but there's just a little a little button in the top corner. Oh, okay, okay, I get it. Because okay, cool. I was tired of digging for evolution yeah, over and over. <laughs> right. Okay. Because I always think that it should be in internet and it's always in office. Well, is there something that you can? Is there a key binding that you can press to make that run command thing come? You know, oh, just appear for you. Or do you uh, none of the, the default ones that I tried without going into the, without you know actually doing any research, okay. didn't work. Right. But I'm sure that you can get it to work. I was just lazy and preoccupied. But yeah, it, it wasn't terrible. I, I don't know what the Love Radio guys and all of them complained about. I mean, I used the same apps I always do. It was just everything was pink around it. And all the pink is just default? Uh, yeah, that's the default. How, how can you change it? There's no easy configuration tool to change the theme? No, it, it wasn't It wasn't something that immediately stuck out to me. Yeah, I, I, I hate to say this is the worst, <laughs> the worst review ever, but... No, I mean, so how long did you use it? Like, for about two I, weeks? Yeah, I used it the entire two weeks. I mean, I don't know, and, and you don't have any major complaints. I'd say that was kind of the... No, not really. I mean... Ref, uh, CWS. Yeah. I mean, it was just like using any other window manager. It does look like they've got quite a few themes that you can download from FVWM, um, and it doesn't sound all that hard to install, so... And, and some of these screenshots on FVWM are pretty nice. So, it, yeah, it almost seems like something uh, something to check out. I never really gave it much thought. I might actually give it a second run and try to turn it into something special. But, yeah, I mean, if if I was stuck in it for, you know, six months to a year, I wouldn't complain. Okay, so that's a commitment. You're going to use it for the next year. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Good to hear it. Very brave of you, 330. Uh, like, if, if KDE and GNOME and Openbox and all those just didn't exist anymore, I, I could run this without a tear. But I still do prefer the the other ones that I'm used to. Sounds like a one thumb up, one thumb down to me. So if a developer listened to this, he would he would probably say, "Well, if the guy was stuck in it, <laughs> he would use it." <laughs> well, here, if there are any developers listening, I am going to give it another go. I give it a real proper one, and I will. Post screenshots of that. Okay, we'll be waiting for him. Yeah, I think this whole thing is going to just end up driving way more traffic to Unix porn than Glotu wants. Now, this whole thing was just a scheme to get people to post stuff on Unix porn. A bit self-serving there, huh? Not a bit. I've got a big marketing deal with a uh, with a major uh, screenshot vendor. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
I think this did at some point kind of break uploading to Unix porn, at least for me. I got an oh, upload. That's right. I remember you. Yeah, I could upload for two or three days. Yeah, that is weird. Our next challenge should be an OS challenge, a distro challenge. I, I think we all distro hop enough. Well, not all of us, but I mean, don't we all kind of distro hop enough? I guess we could do it, but. I think I Peter know. just wants us all to use SUSE. Yeah, Hannah Montana. Montana. I want to read. I just was looking for an excuse to go back to Hannah Montana Linux. That was all. <laughs> Alrighty, so we got one thumbs up for uh, for your review. That was FVWM. What does that stand for? For the VIN Windows Manager. No, oh. it's um, it's the F Virtual Window Manager, I think. That's what I, when you're installing Slackware, it offers to do FVWM, and it's like F question mark and Virtual Window Manager or something like that. I think no one knows what the F stands for or something, something weird like that. That's is that an option in Slackware? I've never read that. Yeah, it's <laughs> so the it, most attention funny. I pay. Yeah, really. No, I mean yeah. it's 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 an option there, and it it always they they seem unclear on what the F stands for. So I always thought that was kind of amusing. Well, I'm going to say it stands for friggin' awesome. <laughs> you just put shit on it for bloody half an hour. <laughs> well, I have to put shit on everything, Peter. God. Just because I, I said it's unusable and terrible and the people that wrote it should be shot doesn't mean it's not great. <laughs> uh, people are going to love us. I don't know. I mean, I don't think his, his review is as bad as uh, Azimuth for Windowmaker. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's actually pretty fairly positive, I felt. But I did say that I only gave it a half-assed attempt. Yeah, but you know what? The Windowmaker project is probably dead, so nobody yeah. can come after Azimuth. <laughs> well, it's dead now, if anybody listened to this. <laughs> <laughs> Let's uh, move on to Dan. What do you got for us, Dan? Well, Monster B, let me tell you what I have for you tonight. I have, uh, was compelled by reading 330's blog take part in this little venture of yours and give E17, Enlightenment 17, another whirl. It's been a couple of years right. since I used it as a main desktop for a little while, and uh, I primarily use Fluxbox on just about every system I, I run on a regular basis, and I figured I'd switch my Archbox, my main workstation, over to E17. Uh, E17 is... It's touted to be a very artistic and elegant aesthetically pleasing window manager. It is built on a core set of libraries that, like KDE, all begins with K. Their libraries all begin with E. And uh, they work pretty tightly together to, to provide a very flexible and interesting environment. Um, Enlighten E17 has been ported over to not only, uh, you know, it's on Linux and FreeBSD, but it'll also run on Windows CE, I believe, and OS 10, and for uh, using it for some smartphones. I forget what the, which company is using E17, and there, is it Samsung or is it Nokia? I forget which one is using uh, Enlightenment 17. It's been a long time in development, about 10 years, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, you can see that they do have a direction, and they're moving forward, albeit at a, at a somewhat slower pace than a lot of other software applications. When I first tried E17 for the tech show, uh, when we uh, interviewed the developers, 
God, it's got to be like three years ago, I think. Um, it was very functional, but it was difficult to to do any specific configurations with it. They hadn't fleshed out the tools. So your primary method of configuring this was to uh, issue the commands to the window manager, which were very complex and not something for an average user would, would be comfortable doing. They have long, you know, th that that's all in the past now. They have this very extensive systems menu that you can go in and tweak and uh, a whole bunch of things, everything from, you know, the font settings and, and the theme to uh, how the mouse works and the different rendering engines that you would want to use for effect. So it's, uh, it's very customizable, very flexible. E17 does not have a traditional panel. Uh, what they use instead of that uh, a panel is called shelves. And you can have any number of shelves on the desktop that you would like. And if I'm not mistaken, you might even be able to configure shelves per desktop. But what a shelf is, is essentially, um, it, it is, think of it like the, uh, in KDE 4, what's the area where you, st you store the widgets? What's that called? Uh, it's called what? the panel now. Okay, think of it like a panel, but a shelf, a shelf is just a, kind of like the slit in Fluxbox or whatever. It's just a, a virtual area that you could kind of store different things like gadgets. In. Um, you could put a taskbar uh, object in a shelf. You could put a gadget in a shelf. You could put a whole bunch of different, you know, doc apps in there if you wanted to. Whatever you want to put into a shelf. Um, you could put a shelf into a shelf. So you have a lot of flexibility in there. And um, place things wherever you want to on the screen. It does have a traditional menu, like you would find in a lot of root menu, like you'd find in a lot of uh, window managers like Fluxbox and Window Maker and everything. It has one of those menus. It also has a, a menu that you could pull off of the taskbar in the shelf, or you could put a menu gadget in the shelf. Um, that's very customizable through the system's menu. It's it can be very flashy. It has transitions, it has uh, drop shadows, a little bit of three-dimensional effects to it, um, and you can specify the rendering engine. I think they'll do XRender, OpenGL, uh, and uh, Software 16 was one that they call I don't know the exact meaning of all of those. but um, So if you are on a lower-end machine, you can enable some of the transitional effects by using a lighter rendering engine as opposed to, you know, a higher-end machine, you can, you can go with a, a more powerful rendering engine that can take up more resources. I I enjoy E17. Uh, unfortunately, like I said, it seems that inevitably, no matter what window manager I use, be it GNOME, KDE, or something like uh, Fluxbox or E17, I always set them up very similar. I'm not one that's big on or icons on the desktop. Um, I very rarely use a menu, a root menu. I prefer to launch applications by getting a run dialog up and typing the name of the application. Um, so I always set alt spacebar to run the run dialog. The run dialog for E17 is nice. It's very customizable in how it looks, how it functions with regards to history. Uh, how it scrolls through history, uh, it'll do tab completion, so it's it's nothing 
overly flashy. It's not as big and bulky as the GNOME one, uh, and it's, but it's not, you know, you can limit it to the size of what you get with the FB run on Fluxbox. So that was, uh, that was nice. Probably the biggest downside to E17 is because of its very, uh, very f customizable and its, its flexibility. It can be a little confusing when you're going through the system menu to figure out exactly what does what. Now, I kind of use a combination of, of keyboard control and, and mouse control, so I like to be able to navigate my virtual desktops by using control, alt, right, and left arrow keys. Um, to navigate between, uh, to move right and left on the virtual desktops. I also like to use the scroll wheel on the mouse um, to navigate the different virtual desktops. That's one thing I do not like about GNOME. It doesn't allow you to do that unless you're over to pager, but every other window manager does. By default, E17 doesn't allow you to do that uh, unless you're hitting Control, Alt, and scrolling the mouse key. So I switched it over to just using the, uh, the scroll mouse scroll and what I found is no matter what application I was in like if I was in Firefox and I wanted to scroll down it would when I try to scroll down it would scroll the desktops uh, and what I later found out because I knew there had to be a way to do it when you when you configure a mouse binding um, you also have to configure the what it binds to like an area you could specify like an application window or a part of an app like the the border around it, or what I had to do um, to get it to work that if I was over the empty spot on the desktop and scrolled, that it would go through the different desktops, as opposed to if I was in a, menu, a window, it would put the scroll action into the window for the application. Because I had to set it to manager, which wasn't really clear as to what option it was, and there was, uh, I believe, 12 different options that you could choose from in that option, in the... Uh, in the window for configuring the bindings. So you don't always necessarily know what they are. You'd have to really read the documentation. But a little trial and error, and it was easy. You know, I got exactly what I wanted. I, I do like E17. I don't know if I'm going to stick with it, again, because it is a little heavy for... a little flat, too flashy for what I use it for. And I really enjoy, you know, Fluxbox. I might enjoy Awesome even more. So, but it is uh, it is a great window manager. I was gonna say something else about it. And now I can't. Any any questions that you guys want to ask? Yeah, Samsung Dan uh, investing in the development of it. We talked about it on uh, cranks three or four weeks ago. Yeah. It is it is nice. It is it's something to check out. It it is uh, elegant. Like I said, we're trying to be very artistic. Um, the GOS operating system used E17, which came out a few years ago with uh, their their G computer or GPC, which uh, that was nice. Then um, you, you said when you open applications, you open up the Run dialog box. You right. You've, I'd imagine you could do this in any of the Windows managers. Uh, configure hotkeys for the majority of applications that you use. Is I do, do you have that could. set up in Fluxbox at all, or you don't bother? I, I I do on um on my on the Mezzo. I do what uh, what uh what I did on the Mezzo was because of the flash issues in a lot of the browsers. I have a little script that actually executes 
the browser that I want and and uh, mitigates those flash issues with not being able to send mouse clicks through the flash on certain uh, web pages. Um, I do have those hotkeys, like if I wanted to fire up Firefox, it would be Control-Alt-F, or Midori would be Control-Alt-M. Um, yeah. I have done that in the past, but, you know, I just get more accustomed to just hitting the Alt-Run and Alt typing in the first couple of letters and hitting Tab and get tab, whatever yeah. I want. Um, yeah, I, I find that once I set it up, like, in, in Awesome's particular case, and, and, of course, Fluxbox prior to that, once I, I gather the trouble to set up a configuration file, the first thing I do is copy it to all of the machines in house because I, I like to turn on a machine that looks exactly the same way as, you know, the one up in the computer room or, or my laptop in the lounge room, whatever. Uh, but what I did find is I, I installed it on Slackware, went and copied over the configuration file only to find the bloody Slackware's version is 2.6, and doesn't use Lua yet, so that was a big fail on my part. But you live and learn. There you go. I can see that. Yeah, yeah I, I do that too, Peter64. I like to I like to keep it consistent. I, I you know with Flexbox, I like to I like the ability to have applications open when you when you start them up, they open up in a specified screen. Well, you are going to love Awesome Dan because you can I'll, do all that I'll, and so much more. I'll be checking it out. E17 is very themable. But I have not taken the time to actually theme it myself, other than the basic out-of-the-box theme on Arch, which is the uh, elegant black and white theme. And uh, other times I've always seen E17 as a green-style theme. I give E17 a... I would give it two thumbs up overall, but for my usage purposes, a thumb and a half, so that's a 330 and a peg wall right there. <laughs> And the Enlightenment was uh, wasn't that the default uh, window manager for GNOME back in 1.0? No, that was Sawfish. I thought Enlightenment was before that, and then Sawfish replaced Enlightenment, and then later on MetaCity came into the picture. Or was Sawfish? Uh, MetaCity is that KDE's? No? Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Metacity. No. I don't know why. Whenever I see it, I see MetaCity, but it's yeah. Metacity. Is there any way? Where can we find that out? If if Enlightenment was the default, I I thought I read that somewhere. It was back in like well I maybe it wasn't like the complete default, but I know back in the early Red Hat um, five and six, you had a choice between Enlightenment or Sawfish, or it was Enlightenment, and then they changed to Sawfish, just like you had said. Gnome. But we don't know what known version, right? Wikipedia says. Um before the introduction of Metacity and GNOME 2.2, GNOME used Enlightenment and then Sawfish as its window manager. Yeah. Doesn't, I guess it doesn't say which version for each, but it does sound sequential to me. Well, that would have been E16. If I'm, I think E16 has been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah that would have been way back. Yeah. E16 was rather interesting in and of itself. It was a pretty unique Yeah, I like E16 a lot. Yeah. E17 is significantly different. Sorry, are we? Uh, uh, yeah, sorry, I, I was just wondering. Are we expected to see E17 running on telephones soon? I take it. I, th I believe it already is running on telephones. Uh, it, I, I've seen them. it running on a telephone at at um, scale, but I don't know if it's out on the. I don't know if that's out on the market or not. A production model. Yeah. Yeah. It says that you can get it to run on as little as eight mega RAM and 
a 200 megahertz um, core processor. Yeah, so it's very flexible. Yeah. And it can be very lightweight. Oh, God, I can't hope wait until it's released and we start hearing about it on tilts. <laughs> Since what are you talking about? We've, we've, yeah, we've we've you, about we know you like to cover the breaking news in, in telephony, bloody whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, when, when Android switches to it, then you'll hear all about it. <laughs> yeah. i tell you what, that Nexus, Not I've said it before, I'm not a phone person, but the Nexus is a nice looking telephone. But that that is my review of E17, worth a look. Elegance. And what did you say you installed it on? Arch? Arch, yes. Okay. I used it, it... I'm sorry, what? Is it a pretty easy install on Arch? Uh, I think I used the AUR repositories as the E17 SVN release. I think it's what it is under, uh, under Arch. And it's not terribly large, right? I mean, in terms of what you have to actually no. download for the install, it's a pretty small little thing, right? Yeah, no, it's not very, very. Well, uh, any of the Windows managers are going to be tiny, aren't they? It's only the like the desktop That's environments true, yeah. that are going to yeah. get big. I mean, I'm pretty sure Awesome was bloody. Well, awesome was it was. It, well, it awesome, needed I'm a sure few. It was less than a megabyte, I would imagine. Yeah, it was. It, it, it needed a couple of um, dependencies. Uh, if anyone's going to install Awesome on Slackware, you want to get Awesome 3. Don't go back to 2. Uh, you have to recon recompile um, Cairo, I think it was. Jay Lindsay, wasn't it? Uh, otherwise, yeah, you can't get it to run. I think it doesn't have XCB support in Slackware. Yeah, but that's my next challenge. Are you, are you running 13 or current? Uh, nah, just 13. Okay. Yeah. But I, I intend to play with that because, uh, like I said, I like to run the same di uh, Windows Manager on all of them. It's only natural to put on the Slackware as well. E17 and E16 are both in SID. What's so the difference, Dan? What's the big difference between 16 and 17? Big, uh, there's a huge difference between the two. Oh, okay. Um, 16 has been around for a long time. Uh, like I said, 17 has been under development, I think, for at least 10 years. But there's uh, there's significant differences between them. Um, I mean, Enlightenment 16 had its own unique look and feel, but uh, they are very different um, in, in how they operate, uh, libraries that they use, and configurations. I don't think E716 has the shelves that E17 does. But uh, it's been a long time since I used e Enlightenment 16. Okay, and for mine, I used um, Window Maker, and oh my <laughs> goodness! <it's>, oh. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I I used uh, Sawfish, and I'll put a link to my screenshot. And Sawfish is another window manager using a Lisp-based scripting language. Seems to be pretty popular tonight. The Lisp. It's very lightweight and themable. And just on their website alone, they have like 400 themes. But uh, I installed it on Debian. Very easy install, of course. The only thing I had to do to get it running, because I don't use a login manager, is just edit my X initrc to start it up. And the very first time I launched it, I ended up with just a black screen. Nothing but like a pager about the size of a postage stamp. So I started... Beautiful. What else do you want? Yeah. That's all you need. <laughs> I started clicking around, you know, left-clicking the mouse, right-clicking, 
I mean, nothing. I started hitting some random keys. I couldn't, like, figure out what to do. There's, like, absolutely nothing. So I had to fire up my triple E and do some searching and figure out how, you know, what, how do I launch a program. And come to find out, I had to click the middle mouse button. And wow. it would it would pull up a little menu. And there was already some stuff already pre-configured, just some basic, you know, X stuff like X term. So once I seen the X term, I knew I could fire that up and, you know, get Firefox going and stuff like that. The next thing I did was, uh, you know, I went a like a, a panel. So I went with FB panel and put it up at the top. And FB panel, I mean, I know it's a separate project from Sawfish. But, I mean, right there, that completed the window manager. I didn't have to do nothing else. Once I put that panel there, I mean, it was, like, completely usable. I didn't have to do nothing else. I mean, all my programs were there in the menu. Wow. The only thing I had to do is add some icons to the, the panel, just some stuff I'd like to launch quickly. And I and I put the panel up there at 95% of the screen, so I would have, a like, a space to go up there and middle-click the mouse so I can pull up the uh, the menu again. And there's, like, a configuration tool so you can, you know, change the theme, uh, key bindings, uh, I mean, you can configure it any way you really that you want to. I mean, resize different things. I mean, there's really nothing to it. I mean, it was easy, easy install. I mean, once I put that panel up at the top, there's no problems at all. Like all the configuration files are are in Lisp, but with that configuration tool, you you don't even have to you don't even have to look at them unless you want to do something special that you can't do with the configuration tool. Are they still developing Sawfish? Oh yeah, it's it's very active. The uh, the latest version is from the Sometime in December 2009, but, I mean, it's very active. If you look at the wiki, I mean, everything's been updated, like, just a few days ago. They do have an IRC channel on, on Freenode. Uh, it it's probably only has, like, 15 people in there, but I think most of them are developers. So if you ask the question, I mean, within a couple hours, somebody's going to answer it. So overall, you, you liked it then? Yeah, I do. I, I mean, if it wasn't for KDE, I would be running Sawfish. But maybe, you know, once I get tired of all the prettiness of KDE and all the special 3D effects, yeah. I, I might go back to Sawfish. It was previously called Sawmill, but I had to change the name for some reason. Yeah, I remember reading that somewhere. Another project had the same name. Yeah, that's what it is. Sawmill was a trademark by another company. Oh, I don't know. So it's pretty much, I mean, it's more or less a traditional desktop kind of feel, huh? Well, it's it's a it's a window manager, and that's all it is. I mean, yeah. you don't have a panel, so I mean, you're you're getting nothing, and you can put anything you want. I mean, if you wanted like the GNOME panel, right, or, or XFCE, you know, whatever you want, you can customize it. I mean, you can even run it, you know, with KDE and, and GNOME if you want. Oh, okay. But I I can't say anything bad about it because it it does exactly what it's supposed to do. I mean, if you want a fast, lightweight window manager, I mean, that's what it does. Okay. It doesn't restrict you at all. I mean, if you if you know Lisp, I mean, you can go crazy on this thing and really customize it. But like I said, with that configuration tool, you can do a lot. But I give I give it two thumbs up. But as you get as you can tell from my screenshots, I mean, it looks like a normal desktop environment, doesn't it? Yeah. So uh, you can. There's just that one what Sawfish RC file wants to be. You go in and you can configure everything in there. And is that once again you can configure stuff like uh, you know where applications start and if they start up on um, when you boot into it and all that sort of stuff. Is it that configurable? I suppose it is. Yeah, it is. And there's all kinds of extensions you can add to it. You know, from their website. Yeah. They have all kinds of extensions you can add. Like if you want to add tabbing, 
I mean, I can't. I mean, there's just a ton over there. Oh, like cool. I said, you can have you can do tabbed windows like in Fluxbox. I don't know if it's like in the uh, if it puts the tabs in the maybe it's considered grouping. Oh, okay. where, where they go into that you know the title bar of your window. Yeah. But it did say tabbing, but I didn't look into it. So maybe it's doing something totally different. I don't know. Yeah. So I think what we've learned is that um, any any of these things that you choose, the options are virtually unlimited as to what you want to do with them. Unless you choose Window Maker. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and um, Rocks File or Rocks Box or whatever it is, because you won't get that installed. Well, I, I mean, mean we've only like tried rocks. it. Yeah, I know, it's because... When I was well, listening you, to them talk about it, before, you so used I didn't, it for years. Yeah, they kept on saying I'm it, so I didn't. I, I didn't check it out because I already knew what it was and I liked it. Yeah, it's it, it's a whole different concept on how to use uh, a desktop, but uh, well, you covered it fairly well in a tip episode, uh, tit episode not that long ago. That was uh, one of yeah, the topics you yeah, talked about, you know. Um, and that was the same one as Jalen's. You talked about that um, Zypher. Uh, I remember jumping on Zypher and installing rocks in it after the show. Now, get back to whatever you were talking about. I wasn't paying much attention anyway. Zorfish. <laughs> well, just one final word about it. It's fast. I mean, as soon as I click something, it's there. I, w- I did go back in the flux box, and I could just I could tell a speed difference. It seemed like Zorfish was faster. Uh, yeah, that surprises like, I always thought Fluxbox was pretty quick. Awesome and Fluxbox, I certainly haven't noticed a difference between the two of them. It, it sped up the way I've worked, but physically, machine-wise, I don't think it's any quicker, or not noticeably quicker anyway. Yeah, Flux and, and Rat Poison were pretty... I, 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 certainly, I didn't perceive any big difference between them. Both are faster than KDE. Not that KDE is slow, but... No, nah, that's right. I was going to say that, too. I wouldn't call KDE or even um, the GNOME 3 when I had to play around with that. I certainly wouldn't call that slow either. You know, like when you minimize something in Fluxbox, I don't have it. Does it, like, animate anything, or is it just, like, just close and go right to the panel? It Mine just no, it vanishes. Just gone. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, no animation or nothing. Anyway, um, I'd imagine on all these you can run that, uh, what is it, the XComp Manager? The, to get transparency yeah, yeah. and all that these days. Yeah, probably. One thing, well, with Awesome, you have to uh, get the SVN version of that for Awesome 3. That was another thing. Uh, it, it won't work without that. Cutting edge. Yeah, I, I, that wouldn't just be the arch build, I don't think. Would it, No, Jay? probably not. No, if you're into that Larry sort of stuff, I'm not. I'm too old. I just like black. Well, did we get everybody's review? I think so. Well, then I have some parting shots to make. <laughs> and that's the... Hey. Uh, you know, the, the popular uh, window managers are popular for a reason. And the ones that uh, decline into obscurity uh, do so for reasons, too. And uh, some of them that are relatively obscure, obscure are, uh, because they just haven't uh, made their hit yet, but they are up and coming. And uh, I think... Uh, Possibly awesome is uh, one of those. Sawfish is uh, it's kind of floating someplace in the middle. Window maker, uh, its time has come and gone. You really don't like that <laughs> I really did not. Like it. I mean, I did not like. I I have never tried any window manager that that felt any worse than that one. <laughs> yeah, 
I must admit, as I've played with a few of them over the time, and sometimes I look at them and think, well, what exactly is the point of this? There are ones that are very similar that do a better job, and you wonder why someone's wasted the time, but it, it's obviously a, a project that someone picked up and just wanted to run with, and you know, but yeah. Well, it's, as far as window managers goes, uh, it, there's you only know, so much you can do. Every, everybody's trying to reinvent the wheel, and yeah. and square wheels just don't work. Hey, isn't it based on Next Step? <laughs> yeah, that was the GNU project of taking the open the stuff that Next open sourced Open Step and like reimplementing it. Okay, so it's like a 15 year old project at this point. Yeah, and it's kind of yeah. I think it was like chasing after you know next, which was eventually sort of dropped. Consumed anyway, you know. Yeah, consumed. I guess. Well, it was so. consumed in, and became OS 10. Yeah. After Stevie got his job back. But I think that's you know I mean that's morality tale of uh, of why we shouldn't be chasing after other people's technology. Sometimes it works out, but I guess Windowmaker is a, a good example of when it goes wrong. Yeah. It could be a cautionary tale instead of a morality tale. Some of them like Yeah, I was going to say, you can't say that. That's a pretty broad statement. I'd imagine a lot of people out there love it and would consider, like, Awesome and and Fluxbox and all them a bloody waste of time. All the Windowmaker fans, and we only want super fans. (laughs) All of you, please write in. Well, there can't be that many fans or uh, the development would be uh, a little more intense on it. Or maybe they got it to the point where they liked it and didn't screw with it because they did everything they wanted it to do. Now, has anybody checked uh, their mailing list or SVN? Maybe it's pretty active. How about their IRC channel? That's a quick indicator to me, I reckon, how many people are in. Just by going, what, by the eight people here, three of us seems to use tiling windows managers. Um Sawfish and wind, window maker or widow maker, whatever. What's it called? That one. Window maker. Window maker. Yeah, and and the one three thirty used. Uh, they seem to be a little bit similar, more desktop environments. Um, yeah. Well, sorta. Of. Uh, sawfish yeah. maybe it wasn't, but you set it up to almost be one. Wants to be. I I think there's just something out there to suit every individual with Linux, and that's the beauty of it. Uh, you don't get that with Lin- uh, with bloody Windows. You get even fewer choices with the Mac. Yeah. yeah, the amazing amazing thing is, I mean, I've got like a couple of different Linux uh, machines, and for each each one, I could have, and to some degree, do like have a customized environment just for that for that machine and the activities that I do on that machine, and that's that is pretty cool because you don't get that with with Mac OS or whatever else. What what there was one I looked at that just Advante Windows. Manager or something? What is it? You mean the uh, window navigator? That's is yeah, that the just one? a dock. That's just a dock. Oh, so it's not a. No, people plaster that on top of GNOME or KDE or XSCE or whatever they are running. You can yeah, pretty oh, much okay. you can plaster it on top of anything. Right. Does that made it? It looked to me like a Mac. Oh yeah. The knowledge I have of a Mac anyway. Yeah, well, it's 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 sort of. Somewhat. Uh, is that what's running in that EOS car too? Probably that's exactly what EOS is running at the bottom. I bet yeah. you if I looked into it, that's what it would be. It might, there are a couple of different docs out there. Yeah. yeah, there are a couple of different docs out there. I mean, it could be Cairo Doc, WBAR, 
Um, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, I've run W Bar and Fluxbox for a little while when I first got into it. Yeah. So, Quasi, you should try to use AWN and um, Rat Poison. <laughs> that would be like full screen. <laughs> well, you could make it one of the floating apps. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that would just turn the whole thing on its head. Oh, yeah, and I, I guess I should mention, because I think someone was asking me about this, in Rat Poison, the mouse does work. You just don't need it as much. But, like, once you're in Firefox, obviously, it's like, it's not that the mouse doesn't actually function. It's just that you don't need it to manage your windows. I think someone and asked me about it. The other thing with these window managers is that if you do want a tiny bit of eye candy for about 30 seconds, or that's about how long it takes me to get sick of it, it's quite easy to fire up, like, um, if you have KDE installed, you can fire up that Plasma desktop and all of a sudden awesome looks like KDE 4. You get all the beauty of KDE with the awesome features. And you can do that with any of them, can't you? Like, that's more or less what... Uh, yeah, for the most part. To well, agree. Yeah. Well, so that's Mickey what I Max. do with KDE and GNOME. I used Openbox as the, the window manager. Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot about about the window managers and stuff in Linux, that they're so so modular, I guess, is what they would be. Although some things aren't. Like, sometimes if you like if you fire up, like, Nautilus, you'll get sort of, like, the desktop icon. Yeah. But, yeah, you, can, but you can start that with um, Nautilus, what, dash no desktop, and it won't oh, okay. take over your Fluxbox session. I forgot about what that, What is it, yeah. Jay Lynch, it's no desktop or something? I think it? you're right. I think it is no desktop. Yeah, dash dash no desktop. Yeah, I mean, once again, it's just it's unlimited to the options you can do with this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And really, we, like I certainly do, only scratch the surface of what what it can all do. Well, that was a fun little challenge, uh, Klaatu. Yeah, good fun, actually. You've made me change my ways, that's for sure. Yeah, I'd been meaning to try rat poison for ages, so I was really glad to have, a, you know, a reason to finally, finally go for it. So, yeah. Well, I should probably wrap it up. But uh, the show notes will be at titradio.info and our new improved chat room at irc.freenode.net, hash Linux cranks. Uh, the Bad Apples has joined forces with us. What is that? That's a podcast? I've really got to listen to that one day. Yeah, you I've should. I've heard it's pretty right. good. <laughs> Where has the Bad Apples done? Bad Apples didn't do anything. They put uh, the Bad Apples in the, and made the Linux, hash Linux cranks the official channel of the Bad Apples. Oh. Did anyone bother asking the host of the Bad Apples? No, that was not. That was a community decision. It was just done. <laughs> well, who's the community? I think only one bloke is the whole community just did it. Uh, that's funny. I did it for you, Claude, too. <laughs> well, you, can't, you, can't, you can't find the host of Bad Apples any place but in the Linux crank. Well, not true. I'm in a lot of channels. It's a plant. You know, we have like, I don't know, 50 people in there. The plan is to get like a hundred people, so that way we're going to go over to the Linux Outlaws and have a rumble. <laughs> we're going to no, not a rumble, a, a shootout at the OK Corral, because that's what those bad boys do. And you can send us some feedback at feedback titradio.info. You guys ready for uh, Terry F's pick of the week? We sure are. All is right. it? Be, is it going to be a country and western song? No, you're going to have to request it. Oh, Tessa, please. If you're listening, buddy, bit of country and western for a change. And some techno for Cloud 2. <laughs> techno. Oh, thank you. i got to sprint out of here. I'll see you guys later. Okay, see ya. Ta-da. Night, all. Night, night. Good night, everyone. Good night. Uh, good Goodbye. Night.
Hey, thanks, Monster B. Hey, this is Terry once again from The Juice Penguin. Um, tonight's song is from a guy by the name of Carmine Apiece, a song called Nobody Knew. Um, he's been around for a couple decades. He's actually the drummer in the band. Um, he's been involved in bands by the name of Vanilla Fudge, Cactus, Beck, Ted Nugent, Pink Floyd, and many others. Um, just about everything this guy touches is great, so I hope you like it. Here we are in the year 2000 Looking through glass with oxygen masks Here we are with faceless around us Expressions unnoticed we thought it would last Nobody knew Where they were headed Except for the Black now 
Carol.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.